and take one. I call this one the AMC or the lender will whistle a jaunty tune as it throws you under the bus. Hi everybody, this is Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate, and I've got a question and answer that came in to me that you might find interesting. Here's the question. It said, in so many words, I had to edit it a little bit. I have heard that the questions the State Board will ask me during the investigation into a complaint or charge can be really hard to answer, requiring a lot of detail and, frankly, be based on stuff I did not put into the report thus don't have in the work file. I've heard these questions are a lot more pointed and specific than the information we typically put into an appraisal report. Therefore, I have two questions. One, how can the state ask us to give it more detailed answers than we put into the report? And two, how can I put into the work file all the stuff it looks like the state requires when so much of an appraisal is mental? Okay, now, great questions. Let's talk about the answers. It's true. The questions the state will ask you as part of a formal investigation are usually quite pointed and specific, and I'll share some of those with you in a moment. Your impression that the questions the state will ask as part of an investigation are, quote, really hard to answer, unquote, is true, but really should not come as a surprise or a challenge for that matter. The reason for this is what the record-keeping rule teaches us. In that rule, there are five bullet points. All five of them must be present in the work file. The fourth bullet point is the key, and this is what it says, quote, The work file must include all other data, information, and documentation necessary to support the appraiser's opinions and conclusions, and to show compliance with USPAP or references to the locations of such other data, information, and documentation, unquote. It is reasonable to ask, why does USPAP require all that stuff be in the work file? In reality, the answer is really simple. It is simply so the appraiser can explain why he or she did or did not do something as part of forming a credible value conclusion. Then, Standards Rule 1-4 makes it clear that, quote, in developing a real property appraisal, an appraiser must collect, verify, and analyze all information necessary for credible assignment results, unquote. Notice the use of the word all in both Standards Rule 1-4 as well as the record-keeping rule. This deliberate usage of the word all reinforces the concept that USPAP expects the details of all of the above information, in other words, the answers to the question, why, to be in the work file. Now, in light of the above two references, go to Standards Rule 2-3, specifically the eighth bullet point. In it, the appraiser certifies that, quote, to the best of my knowledge and belief, the analyses, opinions, and conclusions in this report were developed and this report has been prepared in conformity with USPAP, close quote. From these three USPAP references, it should be beyond any confusion that, number one, whatever the appraiser used to form the value conclusions must be in the work file. 
Number two, that whatever is in the work file, in other words, whatever the appraiser collected, verified, and analyzed concerning this property and this assignment, has been subject to the appraiser's verification, in other words, that it's true and correct, and the appraiser's analysis, in other words, that it's relevant to answering the appraisal question. Via this verification and analysis process, the appraiser has assured him or herself that he or she is familiar with A, what's in the work file, B, why it's in the work file, C, how its presence in the work file influences the subject's marketability, thus its market value, and D, how and why the appraiser's failure to collect, verify, and analyze these materials would adversely influence the credibility of the report. And finally, number three, from what is resident in the work file, the appraiser should be able to answer any question the state has about any facet or component of the appraisal and report. In light of all this, let's look at some questions states have actually submitted to appraisers. In light of the above, let's look at some questions states have actually submitted to appraisers to answer as part of the investigation into whether an appraiser violated USPAP. Now, here's the first quote. If applicable, describe your process for your sales comparison approach for this appraisal assignment. Please provide specifics. Explain in detail your selection process and search parameters. Indicate your data sources and the dates of your searches. Attach a copy of your search results or indicate its location in your work file. If all the appraiser has in the work file relative to the sales comparison approach is the MLS printout for the comparable sales and listings, how can the appraiser answer this question? This also means the appraiser must have in the work file details of the process whereby how and why he or she rejected or selected comparable sales and listings. Further, the appraiser must have a chronicle of the various search parameters in which he or she engaged to select the comps. In the work file must be present the analyses demonstrating the comps have the same highest and best use as the subject, thus are truly comparable. In addition, the appraiser must present data sources, the implication of which is why the appraiser chose source X but not source Z, something that should be clear from the work file. Note that this question, despite its scope, does not yet seek the appraiser's analyses on anything, but that's coming. Now, consider this legitimate question from a state board after the investigation was complete, but before any hearing. Quote, your defined neighborhood boundaries appear to be very tight. How did you determine these boundaries? Unquote. One of the problems here is that Fannie Mae does not define neighborhood, nor does USPAP, but USPAP doesn't even use that term anymore. In the fourth edition of Appraising Residential Properties on page 198, it defines a neighborhood as, quote, a group of complementary land uses, unquote. Nevertheless, the text prefers the term market area over the term neighborhood and defines market area as, quote, the geographic or locational delineation of the market for a specific category of real estate. In other words, the area in which alternative, similar properties effectively compete with the subject property in the minds of probable potential purchasers and users. Thus, the appraiser has the unenviable task of giving a spatial meaning to a term, neighborhood, 
to which there is a generic definition, but not one Fannie Mae adopts. The clearer term market area is not one Fannie Mae recognizes, since it calls for a neighborhood analysis, not a market area analysis. Wise is the appraiser who uses the term neighborhood in the report, but considers its definition to be that of market area. Therefore, the appraiser must have in the work file analyses of the subject's market area, not merely its neighborhood. In the work file must also be the reasons the appraiser chose the market area's boundaries, not merely that the appraiser chose them. That the appraiser chose them is obvious from the narrative in the appraisal report. The answer to this question calls for a detailed and objective description of the appraiser's analyses of the neighborhood by which the appraiser determined its boundaries, in other words, its market area. One example of what should be in the neighborhood analysis is in the Fannie Mae Selling Guide, specifically section B4-1.3-03. All of this stuff has to be in it, as well as why the appraiser chose these characteristics of a neighborhood, the neighborhood's boundaries, its individual characteristics, the factors that affect the value and marketability of properties in that neighborhood, the degree of development and growth rate in that neighborhood, the trends of the neighborhood's property values, demand and supply, and marketing time, a detailed discussion of market conditions. Sometimes this is on the 1004MC form, but we all pretty much agree that form is awful the price range, and the predominant price for properties similar to the subject within the market area, if there are any over-improvements, the age range and predominant age of properties more or less similar to the subject, and finally, a discussion of the present land uses in the area. Therefore, the state has the right to ask the appraiser to produce from the work file details on any and all of the above items, why and how the appraiser chose them, as well as why and how they affect the subject's marketability and its market value. Now, consider this rather long and complex question, again, which I've edited for purposes of making it make sense in, in this context. The appraisal report states the adjustments are market-derived in accordance with Fannie Mae guidelines and based on matched pairs sales analysis. Please indicate the Fannie Mae guidelines to which you refer, as well as why you conclude you complied with those guidelines. The appraisal report also states that adjustments are derived from paired sales, yet are meaningless due to the dissimilarities of the comparable home sales. Therefore, please explain the site size adjustment of zero, the quality adjustments, the condition adjustments, the square footage adjustments, and the garage adjustment. In other words, if the results of paired sales analysis are meaningless, how and why did you deduce the adjustments were necessary? What, therefore, is the market support for your adjustments? Well, that single question should have been a series of questions. The point is, the State Board has the right and responsibility to ask questions such as this one and then demand a well-reasoned, market-supported, and logical answer to those questions from the appraiser. If the answers to questions such as this one are not summarized in the report and or are not detailed in the work file, why and how should the State conclude the appraisal is credible and the appraisal report is not misleading. As to your second question, yes, most of what an appraiser does is mental. 
Nevertheless, USPAP, and therefore state law, requires the appraiser to chronicle in the work file these mental processes. For example, the appraiser states in the report the subject zoning is R1. Then, somewhere in the work file, the state expects to find something to support this conclusion, in other words, to demonstrate it independently, impartially, and objectively that the zoning is indeed R1. Sufficient support would include, but would not be limited to, a copy of the R1 zoning code, a copy of the R1 zoning map, many times available online, showing the subject site in an R1 zoned area, a letter from the local zoning department stating the zoning is R1, a combination of these, or something different but equally authoritative. These three examples of actual questions appraisers have received from state appraisal boards indicate the absolute necessity of an extremely detailed work file, rather than merely a few MLS printouts between the wings of a manila folder. The appraisal report is the place for summary. The work file is the place for detail, lots of detail. If, right now, an appraiser could not pull any one-year-old-plus work file randomly and then answer all of the above questions in great and specific detail, then that appraiser has the potential for problems with the state. For good or ill, these are the standards to which state appraisal boards can and do hold their real estate appraisers. If appraisals are to be credible and appraisal reports are not to be misleading, how could it possibly be any other way? Here's a final note. The answers the appraisers actually provided to the above very real questions were not, in the minds of the state appraisal boards, adequate. The appraisers suffered various sanctions, some of them severe, due to omissions from both the work file as well as the report. These omissions also caused one state board to find the appraisal misleading, for which the appraiser received a separate sanction. The logic of the state's questions as well as the mountain of details the states expect their appraisers to maintain in the work file, augurs poorly for an appraiser to be able to complete a USPAP-compliant appraisal and report in 60 minutes or less, even if the appraiser does not inspect the property. Well, clearly, there will be exceptions to this generalization. Those exceptions will be few and far between. Thus, those lenders and AMCs that swear you can complete a hybrid appraisal or something like it in 60 minutes or less are simply being less than candid. If you tell yourself this is your new successful business model, are you being less than candid with yourself? If your appraisal and report prove not to comply with USPAP, remember those lenders and AMCs who told you an appraisal and report in 60 minutes or less was okay with them will be the first ones to throw you under the state appraisal board's bus and they'll do it happily while whistling a Johnny tune. If you're just not sure that your appraisals and their reports comply with Standard 1 and 2 in USPAP, go ahead and contact me. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. You can reach me at tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. I look forward to consulting with you. Thank you. It's good to be with you. My best to you and your family. As always, be safe and well. Thank you. We're clear. We're clear.